0: Right. This is the first real man sports podcast. I have real man wood, I have real man sports. I'm operating four websites. I'm not sure that it's a good idea to have so much of this stuff scattered over so many different places. But as I mentioned on my uh, real man wood podcast, it's a bit weird to be talking about like totalitarianism and lockdown policy and then switch to who's the sleep, who's the best sleeper in the 10th round. I just feel it's a bit jarring, even though some of you guys listen for both topics. I think there's probably a lot of people who just want the sports and some people who don't give a shit about the sports. So I'll just make it a little cleaner and separate it out into two different podcasts. We'll see if this one takes. If not, maybe I can combine them again, but I'm going to give it a shot. All right. So I got my big primetime NFFC draft tomorrow. Uh, I drew the seventh pick. That was my first choice actually after looking at Saquon Barkley was going seventh in recent prime times, although I just did it on the last two days. He's going ninth, but either way, seventh, ninth. What I realized is that on the way back in round two, I don't really care that much whether I'm picking fourth or sixth in in the second round. And even in the third round, the players that I like. So I think it doesn't really matter getting a little bit later, second round pick. So i move up to seventh, take the same guy I would want anyway. I think it's going to work out now. I could get sniped, but Chances are, I will get Barkley at seven. And it's a tough league. Chad Schroeder's in it. He's won. He's a Hall of Fame NFFCer. And the NFFC, the Hall of Fame is just pure merit, like these guys who win the most. So these are good players. I think uh, Nelson Sousa's in it. Dalton Del Don, a former Real Manwood co host, is in it. So it's a tough league, but I like that. I'm going to get my guys regardless. I'd rather it be a tough league so that uh, if my guys go off and I do well, that it's against a good players. So that should be fun. Picking seventh looking at Barkley. If Barkley, if I get sniped on Barkley, I'll take Jamar Chase. But if the first six picks are some combination in some order of McCaffrey, who I don't like, but he'll be gone, Taylor, Jefferson Cup, Chase, and Barkley, and I'm picking seventh, I resign to take Diggs. I'm not taking Eckler. I just don't like the age. He had 200. He's 27. He had 200 plus carries last year. He's very small. I'm out on him. I, I just feel like get out of year too early rather than too late. If any 27-year-old running back is worth it, it might be him because he is more of a pass catcher. But again, he had 200 and something carries last year. And so I'm, I, I thought about it and I said, I don't love Diggs. I think Diggs is more of like an early second round pick, but he's the safest guy. And I, don't, I think I can get the running backs I want in round two. Pretty much whoever falls to me among Aaron Jones, Javante Williams, and Alvin Kamara. Usually Kamara's been going a little higher, but Aaron Jones and Javante, usually one of those guys is there. If they're gone, I would probably take AJ Brown or Michael Pittman and I almost certainly get one of those guys in round two. So I'm fine for the first two rounds. I've got it worked out. Round three, looks like Kyle Pitts is off in there. And if he's gone, I think I would take DJ Moore. If they're both gone, then it's probably someone will fall like ETN or somebody. So I feel pretty good. And then after the first three rounds, I don't think you can plan quite as much because. Uh, there's more uh, mobility in the, in the picks, but I have ideas each round and I kind of wrote up uh, on my real which is where you'll be listening to this, you know, my round by round targets. And I just kind of have, you know, I look at, I look at ADP and I just kind of have an idea of who I'm taking. That's typically available where I'm picking. And it's just so I, I like to pick early in the clock. Like I really feel like I don't want to be waiting and panicking. I want to be like, pick, you know, I know who I'm going to get. Oh, he just went. I know who else it's going to be. Got it. I think it's the best way to draft. I feel like there's an inverse correlation between time taken and quality of pick. So don't overthink it. Be prepared and just make your pick quickly. But just not so quickly that you miss. Like sometimes I'll forget like there's a wide receiver. I'm looking at the tight ends and I forget I'm, there's a quarterback I could take or something. So not that quickly. I talked about my process. I'm just going over these articles. I talked about my process on the other podcast because it's kind of relevant. But basically, it's all on the uh, substack Basically, what I'm going to do this year is I'm just going to look at the, this is my process for picking the Circa Million Contest. It's kind of like the uh, Super Contest, but it's the Circa version, not Westgate one. And you got to pick five games a week against the spread. And whoever does the best wins the money. You get second, third prizes. There's other prizes for different things. But my process this year is going to be really just me looking at the games every day afresh and just noting what I think and making an intention to get clear on what I really, really think My brain is the algorithm. There's no math algorithm going on. There's no yards per play, play success rate, any of that stuff. I'll leave that to other people. No past performance. It's going to be like, you know about football. You watch a lot of football. You watch the games. What do you really, really think? Get really clear on this. Look at the games. Read what you want. Don't read other people's takes, but read about you know offensive line injuries, whatever else, other information that's relevant, and then just sit on it day by day and make your pick. So that's going to be the process this year. It worked for me 20 years ago with my brother. We did it kind of that way on the phone and we won 58% in two years, picking every game, about 500 games, which is hard to do. Could have been luck. It's the same process I kind of use to write my, my uh, non-sports articles, just kind of let these ideas ferment. And I'm going to do the same thing with my ideas of who to take against the spread. But we'll see. It's kind of an experiment. And the other thing I'm going to talk about on this is Survivor. Week one, my initial lean was the Broncos and I was kind of, stunned to see that they were only like four point favorites in Seattle. I thought they'd be like seven, um, but now that line's moved up to six and a half. I saw it back down to six today. That doesn't really matter. I'm not, you know, the the point spread is just the market's opinion. It's not, doesn't mean anything. And it, it may be a, an informed opinion. It may have a lot of information in that opinion, but it the games often go, you know, sometimes last year we survived on the four point favorite dolphins and ditched the 10 point favorite Cowboys who lost. It happens all the time. So I'm leaning Seattle. In, I mean, phew, that's a, dangerous Freudian Slump. So I'm leading Denver in Seattle. I'm not wedded to it yet. I'm going to wait till the very end of the week. Same process. My idea is that Denver's the better team on both sides of the ball. And then they have Russell Wilson, who's comfortable in Seattle. Some emotion with uh, Russell Wilson, but that, that's a bit of a wild card. And then there's the other concern that Russell Wilson didn't look great last year. He played hurt, but did he lose something? Usually quarterbacks at his age don't lose anything and feel pretty confident, but you know, I could pivot to the Colts in Houston. N- nobody's that used uh, per office I think the Colts are like 20%. So there's no pot odds play. There's no team that you want to fade because, Oh, well, if, if they lose you know, half my pool, will get wiped out. That's not an issue. Just pick the team you think is going to win. It's most likely to win. So the Colts are a possibility. The Ravens at, at New York are a possibility. The Niners in Chicago are a possibility. And then Denver at Seattle. The other annoying thing about that is Monday night. So you have to, deal with the torture and actually since i don't stay up for the monday night games i will be watching the 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 40 minute edited version and i won't check my email i won't check twitter and i'll just be like i hope i'm still alive i'll wake up i may be waking up dead so one way you can wake up dead i could be waking up dead on monday morning and not even know it for now it's denver in seattle teams could just come out flat there but it is only one time zone it's not a long flight so i'm probably going to go that but again i I don't want to be wedded to it. I don't want to just be contrarian because there is no reason to. There is no huge pot odds play here. It's not a lot to be gained. So, games I like against the spread. I initially like Carolina as two and a half point favorites against the Jacoby Brissett Browns. The Browns are stout on the line of scrimmage, but Brissett's terrible. And I think Mayfield. Well, there's a revenge factor, but also I think Mayfield's a league average QB. I don't want him to get too emotional because he's he's not as good as he thinks he is, but he's decent. And he played in a tough environment in Cleveland. And I think having good weapons in Carolina and a better weather and a new start will be good for him. And Carolina is a good defense. And they were playing with this terrible QBs the last few years, you know, the trough Cam Newton and Kyle Allen and, and Sam Darnold and Teddy Bridgewater. These were terrible QBs. So I think Mayfield just being league average is a massive, massive upgrade. It's going to help the whole team stay on the field and be better. So I kind of like Carolina as a sleeper this year and I like them as less than three-point favorites home against Cleveland. That's a game I like against the spread. And I also kind of like starting to warm up to the Steelers getting six and a half at Cincy. That's just such a rivalry game and Mike Tomlin will get his team ready and the Bengals have the Super Bowl hangover, losing the Super Bowl. I'll probably take the six and a half there. So that's just a couple of leans I have. I have to, I have to pick five. You know, I have a couple others. I probably take the Lions- Getting four at home. They were very tough last year. The Eagles should be good, but I don't know how good. The I'm looking at the Jets line just went up to seven and a half. Some problems. We don't know if Zach Wilson, QB1, is going to play week one, but I don't know how much that moves the line. Not really sure about the other ones. So I'll keep probably write something about that. I'll obviously write record all my picks because they're on the record for good. All right. Other things I wrote about the rake. So, people know the concept of the rake. You know, the book obviously has to make money. It's not just running a charity letting you bet on games. And the way it makes money against the spread, pretty simple. They usually offer you minus 110, which means you have to risk $110 to win 100 on a pick against the spread. It's a 50 50 game, but you have to risk 11 tenths to win. So, if you think about that, let's just keep it real simple with the math. If you made $100 $1 bets, and you won 52 of them, you'd be 52 and 48. You'd win 52 dollars, lose 48, so you'd be up four bucks. But remember, you're risking a dollar ten, not a dollar, to win that dollar, so you'd lose another 4.80 on those 48 losses. So instead of being up four bucks, you'd be down 80 cents. You won 53 games, you'd be up six bucks, 53 and 47, but then you'd lose 4.70 on the losses, so you'd be up a dollar 30. So you can see 53 percent is just above break even. 52 percent is below break even. And it turns out 52.38 is dead break even. So in order to win money, to beat the rake, you got to win 52.4% of the time. And that's hard because these these lines are pretty tight usually to to win that much. And even if the line is wrong, say the line was wrong and there's a 60% chance one team wins, you still got to get on the 60 side, not the 40. And it's not always obvious. So um, it's hard to beat the book. The rake actually makes a big difference and the book wins over time. Most people understand that rake. But there's a, a more tricky rank that comes in these season-long futures props. And for example, like if you look at like teams, like you bet on teams to win the Super Bowl, so the bills are like plus 550. So if you bet 100 on the bills to win the Super Bowl and they win it, you get 550, you win 550. So what they're basically saying is it's 5.5 5. 5 to 1 or 1 in 6.5, it's the same way to do it. What that means is the implied odds, one divided by 6.5 is 15.385%. So basically they think the bills, you know, the implied, they don't think the bills, but the odds they're giving you imply that the bills have a slightly above 15% chance to win. And you can do that with all the teams. The bucks are seven to one, which is one in eight, which is 12 and a half percent and so on. But the thing is, if you take all 32 teams and add them up, their implied percentages it comes out to 100. This is the DraftKings uh, odds, by the way. It comes out to 120.56%. Now, you know that can't be right because it's got to go up to 100. It's got to be 100%. There's 100% chance, that, assuming we don't have a nuclear war, there's actually a Super Bowl. There's a 100% chance, given that a Super Bowl is played, that one of these two, 32 teams wins the Super Bowl. But these odds add up to 120%. So something's not right. Well, that's the rake. That extra 20% is the rake. So if you actually correct it for the rake and move, move them, you know divide everything by you know, 120 over 100, or multiply it by 100 over 120, you get the true odds. So the true odds for the bills are 12.76 percent, at least based on their number. And they may not be you know maybe the bills this is just doing it proportionally. But the bills are really 12.76 percent, not 15 percent. So the bills, instead of paying plus 550, should be paying plus 684 you should be getting $684 for your $100, not $550. The Bucks, instead of getting $700 for your $100 if they win the Super Bowl, you should get $864. For the Chiefs, you shouldn't be getting $1,000, you should be getting $1226. So I basically just explain how the rake works in these uh, futures bets. That was one of the articles. I got a bunch of graphs and charts, even got a pie chart in there, even though it's kind of pointless. What else have I been working on? Not much. I've just been doing my drafts as you guys probably have heard on Twitter and seen the articles. I did a a portfolio draft, the players in whom I have the most shares. And I've got five shares of Barkley in six drafts. And if I did it right, I will have six shares out of seven drafts. The only draft I didn't get Barkley was when I picked first and I took Jonathan Taylor, that pick. It's a bit crazy because Barkley obviously has been injured a lot and easily get hurt again. And all my eggs are in this basket. I've got a lot of Travis Etienne. I've got four shares of him. I've got five shares out of six of Elijah Moore, who I might draft again. But if those three guys go off, if, if Etienne, Moore, and Barkley go off, I will be in the playoffs in every league and I will win some of them and I will have a chance probably to win you know, big money. I and mean, that's how I like to play it. I like to pretend I have like basically one or two leagues, not seven or eight leagues. I do seven or eight leagues because, well, I like them. But also because I have different, you know, the stake league and some historic leagues. I've been in the Vegas league I'm in, but I really love fantasy football most when I first did it, when I had one or two leagues and my life, you know, it was live or, life or death, this draft and you better not screw it up. And I was nervous for my draft. And I miss that, you know, where you're rooting just for really one set of circumstances. And if you get it wrong, you're miserable and you suffer. And that's part of fantasy football, but you're not rooting for and against everybody all the time. Um, I have enough of things to root for with picking the games against the spread and survivor. I don't need 20 different rooting interests, and I have some season long bets. I just made a bet on Barkley at 35 to 1 to win the rushing title. I'm trying to find an MVP one. I think you can get like, you know, 250 to 1. Um if there's no good, you know, standout quarterback and Barkley breaks the arse of scrimmage record, or something crazy in 17 games, maybe he wins MVP. I also like Baker Mayfield for MVP. Giants alternate line bets, you know, the over eight wins at plus 230. I have the Giants make the playoffs. I'm in the division at like, 11 to one or something, maybe seven to one. I don't know. I have to look it up. I have the betting tickets somewhere, but those are my bets. Just, I'm just going in big and, and it could be wrong. And I don't think you should copy what I'm doing necessarily. With Barkley, I feel like if he's healthy, and that's a big if for any running back, no matter how durable, and Barkley obviously hasn't been durable. But if he's healthy, I, I don't think he can really fail. Um, I think he's getting 250 plus carries, maybe 280. And he's getting 50 plus catches, maybe 80 or 90 no matter what, if he's healthy. So um, I just think the work's going to be there. The upside is extremely high. The team context should be better than ever. They drafted Evan Neal in the first round. Andrew Thomas played better in the second half last year. They may have a credible offense. And Barkley is the guy who came in and had 91 catches and 2,000 yards from scrimmage as a rookie. He's still that guy. He's 25. He doesn't have a lot of wear and tear, You know, just taking beatings. Obviously, he had those injuries. But he's two years removed from the ACL. I feel good about him, and... I think, you know, in past years he'd be going in the top three or four, but I think people got burned so badly that they don't want to touch him, but they're taking McCaffrey 1.1 and McCaffrey is probably, you know, the highest upside of anybody, but at his build, 205 pounds at 5.11. There's a reason why Austin Eckler doesn't get 25 carries a game. There's a reason they don't usually make these lower BMI guys into workhorses and McCaffrey, he survived it in 2019. I had one of the best fantasy running back years of all time, if not the best. The last two years, he didn't hold up. So I'm kind of out on him, certainly at 1.1. I'm happy to take Taylor as my top back because I just think the floor is so high. But my number two back is, is Barkley. And it's funny, I did say um, in June that you know Barkley was a mid-second rounder. Then I said he's going to be in the first round. And he was going seventh in the prime times this week, and now he's down back to ninth. So I'm targeting him. I could obviously pivot and I'm a little like, well, what if Jamar Chase falls? Somebody makes an odd move and Chase slips to me. And I really like getting that wide receiver because one thing I've noticed in the NFFCs is wide receivers that dries up really badly in rounds like six through 10. So if Chase falls, that'll be a real choice. But I'll probably take Barkley because I don't want to have all of my capital on Barkley in the lower stakes league and then the $1,750 buy-in league, you know, have a different team. I kind of want to have the same team and we're going to live and die together. I'm not hedging. If I lose the money, I lose the money. I can afford it. I'm trying to get my team and and make it work. If I were a purist, I'd probably just have one. I'd just probably only do the prime time, but it would be tempting because if Jamar Chase were to fall to seven, having that receiver at the first pick makes it easy. I get a running back in round two and then the draft gets wide open. I think when you go running back, running back, which I'm probably going to do, the receivers dry up and it's harder to take a Kyle Pitts in round three. It's harder to take a quarterback in round six or seven if one falls that you like. So those are just my considerations. All right. My second podcast of the day. I will leave it at that. Realmansports.substack.com. I think I'll make the podcast free for now and uh, maybe put some of them behind the paywall. I don't know. I'm making this up as I go along, but appreciate everybody listening. Till next time.